Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I want to bring this message to you this morning. God spoke this into my heart, my spirit, and I want to share it with you today. Some of you have traveled or come from parts of the world where when you're in the marketplace, price is negotiable. How many of you have ever done that? You've been someplace where you're in the marketplace and price is negotiable. Really, that few of you? Uh, you know, you, you come from a part of the world and you're in the marketplace and, and you just, it's not a set price. It's just you negotiate prices. And my first exposure to it, I was um, traveling with an evangelist and we went across the border into Mexico from Nogales, Arizona. And, and we went across the border, border town and, and listen, these border towns, of course, thrive on American dollars and sellers parading their leather goods, colorful wraps and rugs and trinkets look on us weak rich Americans like we're prey. And um, a, a similar story played out for me on two trips to India as well as a trip to Cuba. This isn't just every store. I'm talking about marketplaces. And some of you are acting like you've never done this, but you're, you're uh, you know, the concept isn't wasted on you, but uh, you're master negotiators when it comes to a yard sale. Yeah, and, and even Facebook Marketplace and uh, f- uh, flea markets. Places like that. You don't pay the price that they got on it. You negotiate the price. And I said all of that because um, they have something you want and you have something they need. You've got to get this. They have something you want, but you have something they need. The sellers, especially in those places, and I almost feel bad when we, uh, my daughter has been to India as well, but, you know, the, the people from India coach us weak Americans before you get out in the marketplace, because the people that are there, they're like, man, come on, let me show you how to do this, and they get... It gets dirty, and what we're thinking, I mean, because I do have money, and I actually do want to help them out, because they're just trying to survive. That's what I mean by saying, you have something they need. It's not just a matter of, can I prosper and have a nice car? They don't have cars. They probably strode, strode to that marketplace on a bicycle, or it may have been pulled by a donkey, whatever they were on. And so... You have something they need. And that's the point in this message this morning. I want you to get to the place where you have something and you know you have something that people around you need. 
And so let's look at, uh, you know, uh, here's what I'm, I'm, I'm keying off of. Two, my two previous week's messages uh, for this year and how I know that God is going to propel Central Assembly to the next level. I'm going to help you move into a zone of possession. Uh, I want you to be possessed of an understanding of that which you carry, that which you maintain or retain as a child of the King. Any children of the king out there? You have a rich king that's your heavenly father. Uh, But to retain or possess these riches, we must first know how to obtain them. So so I'm going to help you look at some men in the Bible who did this. All right? And so we're going to begin with somebody you're familiar with. This is Samson. And look at these... Words from Judges 15, verses 14 and 15. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. Say, came upon. And he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax. And they fell from his wrists... Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. Bad day for the Philistines. Previously bad day for a donkey, apparently. How many of you know that a jawbone of a donkey is not a typical tool of warfare? Right? Right? I'm looking for somebody to beat somebody else up with, it's not the jawbone of a donkey. I don't think I've ever seen the jawbone of a donkey. It it came upon. Now, I'll say it this way. Samson is an anomaly. Let me explain that a little bit. Uh, Among the 12 judges found in the book of Judges, Samson is a standout, an oddity, if you will. Um, you need to know a little bit about judges, and I'm going to have to take you down a little historical path to explain this. The judges themselves were a temporary solution till the Hebrews decided to have a king. Now, I'll come back to that, decided to have a king part, in a moment. But let me give you a historical path. Now, remember, you've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Right, And then in the time of Jacob, they end up in the land of of, uh, Egypt. And Moses comes along, frees them out of Egypt. And there's a 400-year passage in between. But Moses comes along, frees them out of Egypt. And, And then you have Joshua who takes over after Moses. Right? They've crossed the Jordan. They're now in the promised land. And, and they are loosely connected. They start losing their way. They're in an in-between time when God raises up judges. And what's happening with Israel at this time is they're coming and going with God like some of us do. Up and down relationally with the Lord. We're fiery hot on Sunday, but come Thursday, that person you work alongside of has got up on your last nerve. And you'd rather choke them than pray for them. 
And, and so we're kind of like that. And that's what's happening with the children of Israel. They're serving God. They're not serving God. And so what God has to do is he has to raise up what are called judges. Samson is one of them. And by the way, let me get back to the temporary solution, the judges, between um, having uh, uh, being led by a, a person that's called and appointed by God and them choosing a king. It wasn't God's first choice. But as always, God allows people to do what their own will decides they are going to do. You still with me? Y'all have a will. You make a decision. There are things you approach every single day and typically multiple times a day that will tempt you to get off course. You can spend that 15 minutes, 30 minutes of your break time in, in prayer, or you can spend that 15, 30 minutes checking out YouTube and Facebook and Reels on Instagram. You have choices to make. And every choice that you make determines your outcome. And so that was happening with, with the children of Israel. They were looking for a king soon to come. And, and, and they're, but they're cycling up and down and back and forth. And what happens is they begin to cry out to God because they were under oppression from the Philistines. And God hears their prayer. Thank God He listens to us when we're in those moments especially of great need. Amen? So they call out to God and God speaks to a couple. At this point, they were not able to have a child. And literally, uh, the, the scripture says the angel of the Lord, it wasn't an angel, comes down and he says to them, he says, look, you're going to have a child now. And this child is special. I... Listen to me when I tell you this. This is one reason why uh, I am staunchly anti-abortion. Because God spoke and said, I have a child that you're going to raise, and I want you to take, this child is to, to come under a Nazarite vow. Never touch alcohol of any sort. In fact, don't even have him great, drink, drink grape juice. Seriously. Why? Because they couldn't preserve it. So it would become eventually alcoholic. So they just said, keep him away from it entirely. Never cut his hair. This child is special. I have a job for him to do. And God raises up and gives them. And I, I'll read it from the scriptures for you. When her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Mahaneh Dan. Now what makes Samson an oddity was, of course, his freakish strength and how God used him. Um, the feats that he performed and the way he went about them, however, will not feat fit neatly into your little box of how God should be doing things. They just don't. If you pay attention and you read the entire uh, part of Judges where it's about Samson, you begin to find out that he was an oddity. He, he wasn't typical. It's like the power of God would come on him when he was angry for what the Philistines were doing. But often, it was what they did to him 
Because he got himself in those situations. That's why I'm saying to you, it's an oddity. But the bottom line is Samson had something. Say had something. Here it is again. Same passage I read a moment ago. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the uh, Philistines came shouting in triumph. (laughs) Yeah! You know, they were giving out the war cry. We're going to take down Samson. He's been making a mockery of us. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed 1,000 Philistines with it. Let me help you all with something. It wasn't his hair. That's not what gave him strength. It wasn't, in fact, the Nazarite vows. They didn't give him strength. They were something that God designed to make sure everyone knew he was set apart. He was going to be different from birth. And he was not to do these things. Because otherwise, don't you think this happened then? You know, the way we treat superheroes all around the world, don't you think that every little Jewish boy... I'm not getting my hair cut, Mom. I want to be like Samson. Don't give me that grape juice. I'm going to be like Samson. If it was just a matter of letting your hair grow and not drinking those things, every little boy would have been like Samson. The power wasn't in his hair. It wasn't in the Nazarite vows. So, when necessary, Samson could draw on a power that he possessed. That's what I'm talking about this morning. The Spirit of God would come upon him and he operated on, a, on supernatural strength, not human strength. It was supernatural strength. He had abilities that were beyond the natural. You can't kill 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey unless it's under supernatural power. Now I know if you've watched some of the uh, the movies from the past, and they they and even in your in your Sunday school books and all, Samson looks like you know he was lifting weights and he's a big, strong, strapping man. I don't I don't think he did. I don't think he did. And even if he did, that would have been a distraction from his real strength and power. You can't kill 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. And they're not coming at you with straw. You know, they got rocks. At the very least, they got rocks. And don't you think (laughs) that if you're guy number 300, you're thinking, I need something bigger than this. My sword isn't going to work, apparently. Because they're not coming. So I want you to get this in your mind. It was supernatural strength. It was an infusion of the power of God would come upon him. The Spirit of God, the Scripture says, would come upon him. Samson possessed something. Right? He had something. And... That's the point here. Now let me, let me explain something. Samson doesn't rise, however, to his potential. Do you get that? If you know the story, you know that it doesn't. 
He kills a lot more people. He has other feats. Great section of the Bible to be reading just out of interest. But he never realizes his true potential to lead Israel. And, and this is the way I explain it. Samson had a surface power or anointing. It, 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 was, it was more surface. And I know that goes against the essential part of my message, that he possessed something. But clearly, Samson had access to power. However, it seems the use of it was superficial. In this instance, he fooled people. You know, he allowed the Jewish people to tie his hands up. And, and he knew what was going to happen. As long as, as long as they didn't do something to him. And he actually bargained with the people because they would, what, what had happened was they got in trouble because Samson had been over there causing trouble. And so the people said, Samson, you gotta stop this, man. And, 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 and Samson, and they said, we need to turn you over to the Philistines. And so he looked at them and he said, and you won't try anything with me? And they said, no, we won't. we're just going to turn you over to them. And he said, all right, bind my hands. And it was, a, it was a ruse. Because Samson was a deceiver. And, and he, he, this power would come upon him, but it was superficial. He could have accomplished far more had he given himself to the Lord completely. Hmm. I don't want this wasted on you. What Samson Samson could have done should be entered into the books. Because given what he was given, if he had walked out his life, instead of chasing prostitutes and going into the household of the enemy and, and shacking up with women and marrying women from the enemy's side of the camp, you know what Samson's problem was? He went clubbing. Because apparently they had better music and better clubs down in Philistine territory. And so he hooks up with a woman naturally. I don't know what the deal is. Wasn't there any pretty women in his territory? No, he's got to go down where they got the good clubs down there. It was like Miami of, of Israel. Not that I've ever been to any of them. I've heard about them. <laughs> Grew up in Florida. I've never actually been to Miami except at the airport when I was transferred. Yeah, same Nazareth either, yeah. <laughs> except local Nazareth. All right, well, let's move on here. He could have been so much more, but he wasn't because he allowed himself to chase things that got his focus off of God and the plan of God for him. Samson could have ruled Israel. He could have ruled Israel. He could have led armies. Do you think, could you get behind a man that can kill a thousand men with a donkey bone? Of course you would. You'd be like, yeah, I'll fight with that guy. I'll be with him anytime. Tell me when you want it, Samson. Let's go mess him up. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about another guy, the first of his kind. Um, and this is Elijah. So 1 Kings 17, 1 reads this way. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, 
As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. That's the New Living Translation. Until I give the word. During the time of the kings, now we've moved past. Remember I gave you that little historical uh, structure? And, and, and so what happens now is we've had King Saul, King David, and then the kingdom is divided amongst some of uh, uh, Solomon's kids. And, and, and then we, we end up, it just gets end up spreading out now. And we've got, had several kings at this point. And during the time of the kings, the God, God would raise up a prophet among his people to redirect them. Because like the cycle of when they were under the judges, they were up and down with God. And in this case, if the king loved God, if the king was committed to God, they were committed to God. Why do I say that? Here, hear me when I say this. The king could make them worship God. He had that ability. Now, he wasn't in the room with them. Their private prayers, whatever they did, however they worshipped, that was one thing. But if the king loved God, he could make the people love God. Or at least attend religious services, etc. He could make them do that. And so what was happening is the people were up and down with God according to however the king went. Which is why God didn't want them to have a king to begin with. He would have preferred that they followed the uh, priesthood. And so that, the, they were, that men of God led them versus kings who they chose. Anyway, in the case of Elijah, much of his ministry was during the time of Ahab, a very wicked king. And Ahab was hard-headed and blinded by greed or selfish ambition. And his wife or queen uh, Jezebel was perhaps even more vile than he. And together they led, God, led Israel far from God. Now, the thing that I want you to catch before I move forward is really God keeps knocking despite man's waywardness. God always reaches out to us, even when we're in those weak places. If we'll ever cry out to Him, God will hear your cry. When you start praying and you start seeking God, no matter what surrounds you. Maybe you're in a family where they don't really worship God. In, and in... Uh, the household of, of, of my mom, you, some of you may know this, but, you know, my parents were divorced and remarried. My, my mom and my stepdad, which I spent most of the school year with, they didn't worship the Lord. So when I came to the Lord, actually I was the first one in that household to come to the Lord. And while it's a long story, but God manages to get the, our whole household saved. Somehow manages to get through to us. Uh, my next older brother, he was a weak link for a good while, but God got a hold of him too. Hallelujah. And, and so I'm saying that in the middle of your circumstances. Um, out of God's great love and mercy, He always sends help at just the right time. How many of you have heard or seen God do that? He just shows up at just the right time. It may not be the time he wa you wanted Him to show up. Have any of you ever had that? <laughs> you, God, you should have showed up yesterday. 
But he always shows up at just the right time because he's that kind of God. And, and I, I'm going to say this. You can read this the way you want. You can hear it the way you need to. Even when there is an evil man in charge with a powerful sidekick that is just as evil in charge, God will send help. I, I, I say that because I want you to understand something about where you are and where you live and what what the, listen, I don't care. God is not a Democrat. God isn't a Republican. <laughs> he don't care who's in charge. If you're praying, and if you're seeking the face of God, God listens to your prayers. Does it have an impact? You had better believe it. The Word of God assures us of that. But, He's listening for your prayers. And He knows you, and He knows your heart's cry. And He'll take care of you when you call on Him. The drought that would follow at Elijah's word would affect the whole nation. And I know you're listening now. It it would affect the whole nation. And, And so that's the intent. God was trying to get through to the king and the people. He wasn't just interested in the king. He was interested in all the people, but he knew that the avenue to the people was to go through the king. And like Samson... Elijah possessed something. And, 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 and notice how I know this is what the Word says. He said, until I give the Word, Elijah, until I give the Word, it will not rain. Do you want to know how much courage it took for Elijah to do this? Kings had sovereign power. If he said off with his head, the head was coming off. You know what kind of courage? Elijah has to know his business, doesn't he? To say to the king, listen king, you're not even going to taste dew until I say so. I just rained, but how does a man control the weather? We love the story of Jesus stilling a storm. This is a guy who controlled the weather for three years. He had something, didn't he? I want you to catch the magnitude of that statement until I give the word. You don't hear, and I don't care what translation you look at, I don't care how you go about it, but if you, you, you can read every translation that exists, and the original, and it does not say, God told me that when I speak to you, until He gives me the word, and I come back to, you don't hear that. It will not rain, or have dew on the ground, until I give the word. Elijah literally controlled the weather for an entire region. 
Y'all know I'm going somewhere, don't you? Elijah impacted an entire region. God has given us the ability to impact this entire region. We're not just here to look good. We're not here just to have a comfortable building, to come in and have nice worship services where they play nice songs. Or they play songs that you tolerate. That's not what God set us up here. He's given us this post so that we can impact this entire region. I'm looking for a couple more Elijahs. Come alongside me so that we can impact this entire region. You see, because what Elijah possessed allowed him to impact an entire region and ultimately the whole nation. How many of you know Elijah was talked about all over the land? Now many of them cursed him. They cursed him because he did what he did. And they're like, what is he, just angry? Doesn't he know that we people that even love the Lord, we're suffering too? God had to get a message through. Let's move on. So why Elijah was the first of his kind, I know who I am, is my last section. Most of you know this story. You'll know why I came up with the title that I came up with. It comes out of this story from Acts chapter 3. Let's begin at verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. I want you to focus on that for a moment. And not just so I can take a drink. Take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put, a, uh, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. Say, what I have. Now say this, at my word. What I have at my word in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. This was a Holy Ghost setup. You catch that? Peter and John were going to the temple as usual. Now I need to pause here for a minute. I'm going to do what preachers do. There's something to be said about regular participation in the church when you don't have a platform. Yes, he did say that. Regular participation in the church even when you don't have a platform. 
You may not realize this, but when I read that passage of Scripture, I do recognize it. They were going um, to an unwelcoming and, in fact, hostile environment out of their passionate commitment to God. I'm going to back this up a little bit. For those of you who casually attend church, you, you came on the wrong Sunday. Because you casually, church is optional. It's just, I ah, will go if we can go. But anything could get in the way from us going. Anything. Even as much as I got to have my kids in these activities, they need their good health. And so we're going to, yeah, we have to do this on Sunday. No, you don't. You're making a decision. You're making a choice. The same kind of choices that the children of Israel made that caused God to raise up a judge or uh, would send a prophet to say, you need to speak to this. And so I want you to catch something this morning. There's something to be said about attending, actively attending, even when you don't have a platform. There is nowhere you read the scripture any way you want to read it. You look at it as long as you want to look at it, but there is nothing. It doesn't say that God woke Peter up in the night and said, I'm going to set you up tomorrow. Tomorrow is the start of your, your TV ministry, Peter. I'm going to propel you to the next level, Peter. Get ready. You don't hear anything about that, do you? And if God had done that, don't you think we would know it? So Peter and John are going because that's what they did. I want you to catch something for a minute. Before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Peter and John didn't know what to do. And What did they end up doing? They went fishing. All of y'all fishermen could say amen, hallelujah. That's what they knew to do. But after the Holy Ghost, where are they? When the Sabbath arised, but this wasn't even the Sabbath, church. It was a three o'clock afternoon service. And they just went without any expectations, without anybody saying, oh, uh, today, Peter, I think we're going to call on you to pray. We're going to let you do the Sunday school class today. Today, Peter, is your day. You get to play on the platform. Finally. No. No. It was just straight up. They were going because it was the thing that they did. They were committed to God and they knew they should be in the temple during the day. But it wasn't even a friendly environment, church. Come on. you got to catch this. They weren't going to a church that thought, oh, it's Peter and John. It's Peter and John. They were not. That's not how it was. Uh-uh. The people that they would meet inside those doors were people that did not like them and who they followed. And they knew it before they walked through the doors that day. I don't like going to that church. It's full of hypocrites. Why don't you join us? Because you're one of them. I'm trying to be careful who I look at right now, but... I mean, if you're 
living good enough to get yourself to heaven. Why did Jesus die on the cross? I know you ain't living good enough to get yourself to heaven. We all need Jesus. We're all hypocrites. I know you saw something, you listened to something, you went somewhere that you weren't supposed to go even during this time of prayer and fasting. I don't want to condemn everybody, but you understand the point. We, we talk like this around churches. I'm not going to that church. They don't play the music I like. Especially today. Did you hear that rock and roll riff they were giving on that guitar? It's elevation worship up in here this morning. And, and so I don't... We, we have these... We allow anything to get in the way. But Peter and John just did what they did because they were committed to God and they, they knew God would take care of all the stuff that surrounded them. So I need to, I need to finish this point. They had no expectations or plans of starting a ministry there. Can I say this to you, church? Some of you that really love God. Your gifts will make room for themselves. I need you to catch it. I, I know, and it was a good number of amens. I know several of you know that. So I'm not just... I want to make sure all of you get this. Your gifts will make room for themselves. Peter and John didn't go in there with any expectations. They weren't going in there knowing that God was going to set them up that day. They were just going to the temple to take part in the worship that they would regularly take part in. If you'll let God elevate you at the right time, He will carve out your ministry from where nothing was before. You don't have to make something up. You don't have to set up your plan. Well, don't you know, preacher? I used to teach Sunday school for 14 years in my former church. No, I don't know that, except that you said that. But if you give us time, we'll see your gifts. You don't have to tell me what you're capable of. You don't have to tell us that. But... Now, listen, we're looking for musicians. We, we'd love to have a few. I really, listen, no, no offense, ladies, I'd love to have a couple more men that can sing on the platform. I, I, lo- I love all our ladies that sing up here. That we love you. And, Garfield's, and Garfield and Robert, myself, we're it. We it. So a few of you guys, you got some vocal cords and know how to use them. Now you got to show up and you're going to have to. We don't just let people up there just because they can sing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. God will elevate you at the right time. He'll carve out your ministry for you. Your gifts will make room. And we want you to share your gifts. So... Peter and John were going to the temple as usual, but the man was being carried to the gate as usual. This is like the guys that you see standing at busy uh, intersections around town. That You hope they don't catch your eye. Because on that day, you happen to be at the red light and you do have $40 in bills. 
So you're like, you can't use the excuse. I mean, most, many of you, especially you young people, y'all don't carry any cash. And so you're, you have that excuse. I, do you take a credit card? Can you swipe my, you know, got my ATM here. I can't help you out otherwise. But you, you're right there. And that's what's happening with this guy. As usual, he's being brought. And, and however many times Peter and John may have seen this man, this time is different, isn't it? Oh, oh you're thinking that this was the first time? No, it wasn't. They'd seen this guy. They, were t- they took the guy there all the time. And Peter and John would have been going to the temple regularly because they were good Jews. They would have seen him before. Something's different today because now Peter knows what he possesses. And this is what I want to get you to, church. The King James says, such as I have, give I thee. Thus the title, such as I have. What I have, I will give you. Peter had something now, didn't he? Come on, let's look at this. Peter was in the possession of something. He was no longer just talking about something. He actually had something. Such as I have, I will give you. Peter had something better than money, didn't he? He, Peter took ownership of the situation. He recognized that this lame man was focused on a temporary solution to what had been a lifelong problem. Peter says, listen dude, you don't know this, but I can solve your lifelong problem. When I get done with you, you're walking out of this place and you'll never need somebody to carry you here. You'll be able to earn your own way. Feel like a man again. Or for the first time for him. Peter took ownership of the situation. He recognized what he had what he possessed, what he was capable of. Like Elijah, at my word, king. Now, so I want to bring it to a conclusion this morning. Do you have something? Do you have something? Look at your neighbor and ask him, do you have something? And here's what I'm wondering is, during this time of prayer and fasting, are you seeking God who can fill you with what you really need? Remember my opening illustration? They have something you want. You have something they need. You must have something before you can give it away. Right? 
I can't give Albert $5 if I don't have $5. If I don't have it, I can't give it. You must come into, in church, the whole message, the crux of the entire message is on these next statements I'm about to make to you. You must come into possession of the great bounty of heaven so you can bless someone at their point of need. Yeah, read it. You're looking at it. You must come into possession of the great bounty of heaven so that you can bless someone at their point of need. You realize I'm not talking about money right now. We need to stop living at uh, a, a spiritual and gift poverty level. I'm tired of looking at people who are sick and suffering and not having a way to get them out of it. When I serve a God who is capable of healing someone, someone that was actually dead, come back to life, I want to have something when I encounter that person who's sick or struggling. Just as much as I want uh, to be able to have the finances necessary when somebody's doing without financially. We need to rise to the level that we can help and bless people that are around us. Elijah wasn't like his fellow companions. Peter and John weren't like all the other people. Even the people that were in the upper room. They weren't like them. Such as I have. Peter knew he had something when he walked up to that guy that day. Look, on, look at me! You know how you avoid the eyes of the people that are standing there with their homeless signs at the corners. You avoid catching their eyes. Uh, Peter on that day, he said, Oh, you look at me! I don't have gold. I don't have silver. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. Are you seeking the face of God rather than His hands? We're so consumer-driven that we're constantly looking out for what pleases us. We must put what pleases God ahead of what pleases our fleshly passions. That's what we need to seek the face of God for. What do you have, God, that I need? So, because it's what they need. You're working with somebody. You're attending school with somebody. You are recreating with people. You have family members that you have what they need. If we will seek Him first, He will provide everything that we need. Let's get about the business of getting filled up with God. So filled up with God that we have something to give to people in need. Instead of just leaving them there suffering. 
Bible tells us, what good is it if, if someone who is in need of food comes to you and says, I, I need food, and you say, go thy way, be blessed, be filled. I will be blessed and filled. You give me some food. That's what we... So, so we have to have something, don't we? We must have something so that when somebody presents themselves they have a need we can help them and how do we do that get filled with the Holy Spirit Peter and John got what they possessed in the upper room after waiting on God for 10 days yeah I said that they got what God had promised, but only after they were willing. I've preached this before. Some of you will not have heard this because you weren't there on the day that I said it. But don't you think that there was, there was probably 128 people in that upper room. I, I, there may have been 155. 28 of them on day three. Day eight said, I'm sorry, I can't keep doing this. They were tired of seeking God for this great unknown. But 120 for a hundred for ten days they sought God. Because they were going on a promise that God had given them. Jesus himself said, Go and wait, go tarry. That's what King James says. Go wait there until you are filled or endued with power from on high. If you're tired, church, of operating in what you're capable of and you want to move to the next level, then be filled with the Holy Ghost. So I ask you this question, will you wait on God till to fill you with what you need for a hurting and sin-sickened world? Will you wait on God to fill you with what you need? You're not praying for a platform. You're not that God raises you up. You're praying that God fills you so much that out of that overflow you have something to give to someone else in need. There are desperate people everywhere you go. you've been given access do you know what God has done for you he's opened up the windows of heaven and he has said to you not just the preacher not just the evangelist not just our worship and youth pastor he's opened up the windows of heaven to you and he said you have access I've provided for you access to take 
the vilest of sinners and set them free. The most painful, difficult situations and circumstances of people that you care about, God has said, I've given you the key. Will you access it? And here's something I want you to know as I close today. Really. There is a hidden underlying theme with all these men. A hidden underlying theme with all of these men. It's really simple. Every single one of them were flawed. Samson was desperately flawed. Already talked about him clubbing in Philistine territory. Even Elijah was flawed. What was wrong with Elijah? He he fought depression. Wanted to commit suicide. Just let me die. That's Elijah. And I don't have to tell you about Peter, do I? Peter denied Jesus, even knowing Jesus. And he did it in front of a little girl by a fire. Some of them were very deeply flawed. And what that means to you is if God can use them, He can use you. He can use you, one of those hypocrites at church. He can use you. Here's the answer. I want you to do this for me. Would you stand to your feet all over the room now? And I have to do first things first. I'm going to come back to you that love the Lord and committed believers. But first things first. If you would just bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and not in a right relationship with Christ. Maybe you've walked away from Jesus. Or maybe you've never actually prayed a prayer where you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done that. Or you did it at some point, but walked away. That's you and you'd say, I, I, I want to change that today, preacher. You just lift your hand up right where you're at. Say, I got to get things right with God. Come on, lift it up if that's you. Say, I got to get things right with God. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift that hand up and say, I got to get things right with God today. You're not where you need to be with God and you know it. If you believers will just hang on for a little bit, let me let me deal with this one first. It's kind of easy to raise your hand and do this in this capacity this way. Every head bowed and eyes are closed. We're all rooting for you though, and we want you to know this. If you really mean business with God, with the same kind of courage that took Jesus to go to the cross, I wonder if you'd step out of your pew right now if you raised your hand say, I need to make things right with God. I'm not going to wait any longer. Come on, can you do that? You raised your hand, but you know you need to step out of that pew. Would you come forward and allow me to pray with you?
anyone else? Anyone else? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you still know. I got to get this right. Maybe you're watching online today. You need to get things right with God. I'm going to help this young sister out. And you can pray this prayer with me, even if you're watching. Come on, sister, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your life on the cross. Right now, I give my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead. And from this moment, I commit my life to you. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a follower of Jesus. Fill me with your spirit that I may live for you all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Can I ask you? Now this obviously is for you believers. You love the Lord. You've been walking with the Lord. And again, kind of first things first. If you've not been filled with Holy Spirit, then you don't have what you need to give to somebody else. If you've never spoken tongues, which is just a representation of being filled with Holy Spirit. It's not... It's just a representation, if you will. And you know you want to be able to impact lives on a whole different level. You say, God, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Would you leave your seat now and come forward? Uh, Come on, let's not look at the other people then. This is between you and God. If you've never been filled with Holy Spirit, and you know I need to be filled because you want to have what the preacher was talking about today, I want you to come forward. Never been filled. Come on. Listen, if you're not bold enough to come out and get this here, how are you going to be bold enough to talk to somebody that doesn't know Jesus? How are you going to be bold enough to put hands on somebody that you don't know? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So all of you are telling me you're filled with the Holy Ghost. All right, you're going to make me come to the next level then. If you know you need more than what you currently possess because you've been in situations not unlike Peter and John, but you don't have what it takes. I mean, if you haven't raised somebody from the dead, then you need to be rushing to this altar right now. So I think, I think this zone ought to be filled up right about now. And you know you need more. Would you come?
Come on, who's going to help us reach the Lehigh Valley with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who wants more than what you currently possess because you're looking for a change? You want to be a change agent. And you've got a few minutes on Sunday, the 15th of January. You've been praying. You've been seeking God. Y'all need more. Come on, right there. Y'all help these folks move this way so those folks can move in. Y'all come on up if you will. Lift both hands to heaven, all of you that are up front right now. From what you told me a moment ago, by not coming forward, that means that all of you that are coming forward right now are pretty much filled with the Holy Spirit. So, how about you begin to seek the Lord in the power of the Spirit right now? Go ahead and seek God like you know you're doing business with God right now. Ask Him to fill you up, fill you up, fill you up till you overflow, fill you up till you overflow. Come on, come on church, get desperate enough like it really matters because you know somebody that this matters to. I want more of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. Not so I can consume you upon myself, but so, Lord, I become a conduit that wherever I go, you splash out on people. Whoever I talk to, you splash out of my words. And my words become more than my words, but they are your words infused with your power, infused with your anointing. That we'll be like Elijah, Lord, where we'll say, at my word we'll know that what we have Lord is something more we'll know Lord that what we speak is more it's more than enough Pour out your spirit, Holy Spirit. Come on. Come on. Come on, Holy Spirit. Touch these men. Touch these women. Touch these young people. There's some young people up here, God. They need to be infused with a fresh outpouring of your spirit, your power, your anointing upon them. Transform them. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on. Seek His face. Shut up, 
Now, Father, I pray for these men, women, and young people that are down here right now. And others, Lord, that maybe didn't come forward, but they they know they want more, they need more. God, I pray. I pray, God, that you propel us as a body, Lord Jesus. God, I know what I'm capable of. And I know how desperately I need your power and your anointing to do anything that I do. And I'm ready to go to the next level. I'm praying, God, that you infuse these people with fresh fire from heaven, God. Fresh fire from heaven upon them, God. So that they will be able to do the work of ministry, Lord Jesus. You raise them up to the next level. So they pray for somebody that's lame and they're healed immediately. They pray for somebody that's filled with a devil. And you drive out those demons because you've used them. You've gifted them for that moment, Lord God. You give them a word of knowledge when they need a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, God. God, you infuse them with your power and your anointing, a prophetic word. God, they'll bring deliverance to those who are captives, those who need healing, gifts of healing, Lord, gift of faith. I want it all displayed here in our ministries, Lord, not just Sunday mornings, God. I mean it with these folks that are standing here right now. Give them more, Lord. Now, I know who you are, Lord, and I know what you do. You're always about the business of feeding people who are hungry. Those that are at this altar today, God, they're hungry people. Give them, give them, fill them up, fill them up, fill them with more, Lord, more, Lord. Just like the children of Israel, or excuse me, like the, that 120, after Peter and John had gotten beat before for what they were saying and what they were doing in the temple, they gathered and they prayed. And they asked you, God, give us more power to speak with more boldness. Let your heavens open. Let your kingdom move. All our faith and hopes. Let your open. Let your kingdom move. All of faith and hopes in our great God. No heavens locked up, let it open. No kingdom stand still, let it move. Our faith, our trust, our hopes in our great God. Bless you, Jesus. Now let me share something with you all before you depart today. The altar call is not a magic trick. It's not like you come up here in this one time round and boy, I got everything I need. I'm going to take the world by storm. But I will tell you this. 
you make a marked effort during this time of prayer and fasting. You give yourself to God daily and you ask Him to infuse you with more, fill you up more. You need more for everything that you face in every day. Then I'm telling you, you will wind up with all that you need to impact the people that surround you wherever you go. Amen? So make a determination. Today's the starting spot, not the finish spot. I love you folks. God bless you. Have an amazing day today. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.